Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. continuing in our discipleship series that may last all year and uh, but uh, nonetheless we are moving on today we have been talking about uh, the steps for salvation faith and repentance baptism and filling of the holy ghost and so we spent about three weeks on faith and repentance and so we're going to start today talking about water baptism amen how many have ever been baptized in jesus name amen. hallelujah amen and oh what a change it has done in our lives. Biblical change in our lives. How many know that it's more than just a confession of faith? It's more than just a public example to the people. It's more than that, according to God's word. Amen. It's more than just getting wet. All right. Amen. And so we need to underscore then the importance of baptism. We, we underscore the importance where Scripture underscores the importance. And so Mark chapter 16, going to read verses 15 and 16. And we owe those guys up there in the media uh, soundproof area, I mean, a round of applause. Because on Sunday mornings, they've had a lot of Scripture to contend with. Can we give them a hand of appreciation? Amen this morning. Amen. So we're so thankful for them. Mark chapter 16 and verse 15 starting. The Bible says, and he, the he is referring to Jesus said unto them, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Acts chapter 2, verse 37 and 38. Amen. This morning, uh, Peter is going to be responding to a question that was prompted by his preaching. He's been preaching up to verse 37, and then a question comes. Now, when they heard this, it refers back to the message he has spoken. They were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Again, we've talked about uh, repentance. We have talked about faith. Amen. We want to talk today about water baptism in Jesus' name. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. They would help our hearts and minds today. Father, we love you. I pray, oh God, today we need Jesus, Lord, you in this place. God, your word is a living word. Lord, it is anointed. I pray, God, it would crawl off the pages today and become alive in someone's life. Perhaps, God, by something being said today, Lord, another individual, Lord, could, Lord, ask the question of what they must do, Lord, and follow through, Lord Jesus, with repentance and baptism today. I pray, oh God, for it is necessary and essential God in order for us to see and enter the kingdom of God born of the water and of the spirit I pray oh God today Lord let it be known Jesus in our lives in Jesus name everybody say in Jesus name amen you may be seated this morning in Jesus name amen so we've spent a lot of time uh, talking about faith and repentance and those being some of those initial steps uh, for the plan of salvation. However, as we said from the very beginning of this, uh, you, you, if you, you, it's dangerous to take one scripture and say, well, that's for salvation and not take the full, the full uh, profile, the full, if you will, portfolio of scripture, amen, for us to know what, what uh, denotes salvation in our life. And faith and repentance, it's initial, it is important, but there are additional steps to follow. The Bible says in Hebrews 6, verses 1 and 2, Therefore, leaving, and it's not so much as abandoning, but, but going from where you've been a little further. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection or into wholeness and completeness, not laying again the foundation of repentance. He says, so you've done that from dead works of faith toward God. So there's repentance and faith that you have practiced, but of the doctrine of baptisms, and there's an S on there, and I know... Someone's about to raise their hand, oh, Ephesians 4, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. But the baptisms that the writer of Hebrews is referring to is the baptism of water and the baptism of spirit. 
Uh, we talk about the infilling of the Holy Ghost, even the Scripture speaking of a baptism of the Spirit. So the baptisms, the plurality is the baptism of water and the baptism of the Spirit and of laying on of hands and of the resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. So we have faith and we have repentance, but we then have these baptisms of water and of Spirit. And the one that we're concentrating on today is that of water. It is uh, faith and repentance are foundations uh, to the doctrine But water baptism and spirit baptism are another stones uh, added to, if you will, to the wall of doctrine or to the foundation of doctrine as well. And so the question, one of the questions that we want to answer this morning uh, for those that may be here and for our own lives is this. Why did you or why should you be baptized? Why should we be baptized? Number one, this is quite simple, but to be baptized was a direct command of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord himself specifically commanded that we ought to be baptized. As a matter of fact, uh, before he ascended into heaven, you can read the accounts and the gospels, him speaking to the apostles, some of the things that he spoke to them even that they should do is go teach or preach and also baptize or teach all nations about baptism. Amen. And so baptism, there is a link in our salvation with our baptism just as much as there is to our faith and to our repentance in Jesus in, in our repentance unto the Lord and so baptism is a part it's not a, it's not like a, a an option on a car it is a part of our new birth experience it's a part of what Jesus told Nicodemus in John 3 that a man must be born of the water That's baptism and of the Spirit, the infilling of the Holy Ghost. That's what Jesus himself told Nicodemus. We have the disciples telling other people uh, about baptism and needing to be baptized or commanding them to be baptized. But John 3 is a good place where the Lord himself spoke to a man that was inquiring about it, that he needed to be born of the water and the Spirit, that was underscoring, commanding, if you will, the importance of baptism. And so we see in Scripture there's, Many times, this constant connection between water baptism and spirit baptism. Water baptism and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. In the scriptures, you see them linked together quite often. If you were to look at John 3 and 5, where Jesus did speak to Nicodemus, the Bible says, except a man be born of water, there's the water baptism, and of spirit, there's the infilling of the Holy Ghost, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Again, I think that's pretty important. And water baptism is pretty important that I need that in order to enter into the kingdom of God. Titus 3 and verse number 5, the Bible says that he saved us. We go down a little bit. He saved us by the washing of regeneration, which is reference to baptism, and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. And so paired together, water baptism and the Holy Ghost. Acts 2.38, that many here know and love and adore of repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Baptism coupled with or interlocked with the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Acts 19 is another place uh, where they came upon the disciples, the, the Ephesian believers, if you will. Acts 19 and verse number 5, the Bible says, and when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus And the Bible says, and when Paul had laid the next verse, verse number six, and when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came upon them. So again, this pairing of them being baptized in Jesus' name and also receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. Another one, this one maybe, uh, I'm not saying it's hidden, but people don't really think of it. Back to the Ephesians, you don't have this up there, guys. Ephesians 4 you mean out of everything I gave you, that's not in there, right? Ephesians 4, verses 5 and 6, where it says we do have one Lord, one faith, one baptism, all right, which is speaking of the baptism of water, but it goes on and talks about one God and Father of all who is above all and through all. Watch, here's Holy Ghost, and in you all. And so there's that pairing again of water baptism and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. And so that happens a lot throughout the Scripture. And what that means is this. Water baptism is an integral part, an indispensable part of the new birth experience. Uh Uh-huh. 
uh, of repentance and of, uh, of receiving the Holy Ghost, water baptism is a part of it. Again, it goes beyond just a confession of faith that I believe. Amen. No, it's an obedience to what the Lord said to be baptized in his name. Amen. To the degree that you're going to obey. Amen. If you believe, you're going to obey. And so third, we should be baptized because there is scriptural examples throughout the New Testament scripture. Amen. Examples even given to us through and by the apostles that the apostles were taught how they should baptize, but then we see how they actually baptized. Right? Because sometimes there's a disconnect between what's taught and what's practiced. But we see and hear what the disciples were taught, and then we see how they actually obeyed the command of Jesus Christ of going and teaching and preaching and baptizing all nations. And so let's just look at a few of the scriptures, and there's a lot of scripture uh, here today to look at. If we go back to Acts 2, verses 38 through 41, look at this again. Here is what... Peter's response was to the people or what was preached when he said repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. But whenever you go down to around verse 41 the Bible speaks how these people responded to what they were told. All right? So this is what Peter said. This is what you need to do. And now we see how they responded. And they, then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And so we have the teaching, the preaching, but then we have the practice. They followed through, amen, according to what Peter spoke to them, and they were baptized. Amen. Someone say amen. In Acts chapter 8 and verse number 12, the Bible says, but when they believed Philip, preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ. This is when the, the, the place of Samaria had a great revival that swept through it. People started to receive the Holy Ghost and be baptized. Philip, amen, was there to help with preaching. He's been preaching concerning the kingdom of God, notice, and the name of Jesus Christ. Look there at verse 12. Whenever he had done these things, they were baptized, both men and women. And so it's not just something that was preached. They followed through. They were obedient to what was preached and was baptized. Amen. Belief will lead you to action. Belief will lead you to action. Belief will cause you to be obedient. Amen. Faith, that faith will lead you not just to repentance, but to being obedient even in the waters of baptism. Acts 8, a little further down, verses 38, 35 rather, and 36 uh, Philip has been taken away from the revival at Samaria. The Lord has caused him to go to a desert place. And there's just one man out there, an Ethiopian eunuch, that's sitting in his chariot. He's reading from the book of Isaiah. Philip approaches him and says, Understand us what thou readest. The man bids him to come up into the chariot with him. And the Bible tells us that Philip begins to preach into this man. Verse 35, I believe, Then Philip opened his mouth and he began to preach into this man, Jesus. And the Bible says along the way, they came to a certain water, and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? This is always awesome to me. The scripture just real simply and basically says that Philip preached to this man, Jesus. Yet through that preaching of the simplicity of Jesus, Philip must have touched on the plan of salvation. And because this man, when he's seen water, he says, what does hinder me from being baptized? And so he heard something through the preaching of Jesus that Philip had done, but now he wanted to practice. There's water here. Why don't I be baptized? So it's what was preached, and then it's what was practiced. Amen? Isn't that awesome? And let's think for a moment, folks, just a little bit today. If baptism was just a public show of joining the church or a public show of confession... There are a lot of baptisms that take place in Scripture that there isn't necessarily some grand audience. It's just them and the person doing the baptizing. Acts 8 with the eunuch, that's such a case. Another one that there's not a great public affair would be the Philippian jailer. We'll look at it a little bit later. Or Ananias and Saul. If that was its purpose, then we're lacking in it meeting its purpose with these lone two individual baptisms. Because that isn't what it's all about. It's about, amen, receiving remission of sins because you've already repented. You went into the watery grave of baptism in His name. Amen. Hallelujah. It's about getting His name on you. 
It's about being owned by him. Amen. Hallelujah. And so we see also in Acts chapter number 9, this is the story, Acts 9, verses 17 and 18. Again, what was preached, what happened? Ananias commanded the Lord to go find this Saul who was a persecutor of the Christians. He enters into the house. He puts his hands upon Saul. He says, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, has sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. This is what should happen. He goes on in verse 18, and immediately there fell from Saul's eyes, his eyes, as it had been scales, and received sight forthwith, and arose, and was baptized. He even, the Bible says, he says that you would be filled with the Holy Ghost. That's, that's what we want to do. We want there to be this transformation, Saul, in your life. In that transformation was being baptized. Acts 10, amen, Peter is going to the house of Cornelius, amen, a Gentile of the Italian band. He's going there to preach to him. And Peter, the Bible says in verse 44, while Peter yet spake these words, he's preaching, he's teaching concerning the things of God, salvation, the gospel, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. Then answered Peter, verses 48 somewhere, then answered Peter, can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we because they were Jews, which that was a big thing. The Gentiles got the same gift that the Jews got. There was no difference. They received it the same way. They both spake in tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Both of them needed to be baptized in Jesus' name. He says they received the like same Holy Ghost as well as we. And he commanded. Listen, he's not saying if you want to. He's not saying if you think it's a good idea. He commanded. This is essential. This is necessary. He commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. So Peter preaches, they receive the Holy Ghost, and even in that, they follow through then with being baptized in Jesus' name. Acts chapter 16, the story of Paul and Silas. They're in the jail at midnight. They're singing praises and giving prayers unto the Lord. And the jailhouse shakes as a result of everything. Uh, the Philippian jailer is afraid that he's losing some prisoners. And the Bible says in verse 29 about, Then he, that is the keeper of the prison, and I'm kind of skipping through here, came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's good. And thou shalt be saved in thy house. But it wasn't just belief. The Bible says a little later, And he took them the same hour of the night and washed away their stripes. Here's the Philippian jailer going to wash away your stripes. And was baptized. The Philippian jailer was. He and all his household. Amen. So he believed there was no doubt repentance involved, but they were baptized in Jesus' name as well. He asked the question, what must I do? They told him, but within that, with what we have recorded, if John said in the, in the last John chapter 21, the last few verses, if everything that was written, if everything was written that could be written of the Lord, then we would not even, the, the mountains and everything wouldn't be able to hold everything that he did and everything that was accomplished. If everything was written that could have been written concerning even the acts of the apostles and the Lord. We wouldn't have, you think your family Bible on your coffee table at home's big. <laughs> You're going to have to get you a pickup truck to carry a Bible if everything was recorded. Amen. But there is the baptism in Jesus' name. Amen. And if you'll notice in verse 32 of Acts 16, they spake unto him the word. Notice, whenever he asked the question, what must I do to be saved? They said, believe on the Lord Jesus, thou shalt be saved in thy house. But then verse 32 says, they spake unto him the word. And then they are compelled, amen, and follow through with being baptized. All right? So they spoke to him that full counsel of God, amen, of what was needful and what was necessary. So there are several examples in Scripture, and that's really just a sampling of some. Amen. Of what was preached and then what, what actually happened, what was practiced. But we also need baptized in Jesus' name. Another reason why we need baptized is because it's part and parcel what cleanses us from sin. There's nothing magical about the water, but there is something powerful about the name. Amen. It plays a role in our remission of sins. 
Acts 22 and verse 16. And now it says, Why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized. Wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. This is Saul recounting his conversion. How it was like, arise and be baptized. What for? There, ask yourself that question. Now arise, and now why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized. Ask the question, what for? And go on, and wash away thy sins. The what for for your baptism is the washing away of your sins. Calling on the name of the Lord, which literally means invoking. Which is what happens when someone baptizes you and they say, I baptize you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the calling on the name of the Lord, the invoking the name of the Lord Jesus Christ over you. Hebrews 10 and verse 22, look at this now. It plays a role in our our remission of sins. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. There is a washing. Amen. Acts 2 tells us, 38, you all know it, but repent and be, and be, and be. Not repent and, not repent or be. Repent and be baptized. For the remission of sins starts in your repentance, but it's completed in your baptism. Amen. It is a process that started as you have faith and repent, but it is completed in your baptism. We are baptized, every one of us, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Now, some people's out there are going to tell you, well, that for in the Greek can mean because of the remission of your sins, with a view towards the remission of sins, on account of the remission of sins, on the basis of the remission of sins. What they're trying to get at is this, is that you're baptized because of the remission of your sins, meaning your sins have been remitted, and so you're baptized to show that they've been remitted. But that's only one Greek definition, and you always get the definition of the word according to context. The other definition of that same Greek word for is to receive in order to obtain. Now that changes things, don't it? Amen. Because baptize every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ in order to obtain the remission of sins. See, one looks at it as though you have it and you're doing baptism just as a sign that you got it. But the other one is saying you're baptized in order to get it. And when we look at the context of Scripture and other places concerning baptism, that is the meaning. Can you get for me, guys? I'm sorry to do this to you. Matthew 26 and verse 28. I'll try to get it up here in my own little thing. Matthew 26 and verse 28. Because I want to show you, context means everything. Jesus is speaking these words. Amen. He's talking. He's got, he's got the, the blood and he's got the bread. And he says, this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for, look at that, for many, for, look at that, for the remission of sins. For instance, if we were to use first definition, this is the exact same Greek word for that's used in Acts 2.38. If we were to use the first definition for in this, in this regard, for this is my blood of the New Testament which is shed for many because of the remission of sins, that would mean his blood was shed because of their remission of sins or on account of the remission of sins, meaning that Jesus shed his blood because they had already got remission of sins. We know that's wrong. Hebrew tells us without the shedding of blood, Leviticus tells us without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. So that for isn't because, amen, Jesus died because they already had remission of sins. No, no. Jesus died and shed blood so they would obtain and receive remission of sins. Exact same for context means everything. The for of Acts 2.38 isn't just showing, well, it's happened. No, no. It's doing what I'm doing for the sake that it can happen and will happen in my life. Amen. Amen. So again, it's fully accomplished in baptism. Starts maybe in repentance, but fully accomplished in our baptism. In the closing of Luke chapter 24, Jesus speaking to his uh, disciples, he instructs them that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name. If you look at the other harmonies of the Gospels, you'll see where he said, like in our Mark, our our beginning uh, verse of Mark, that's toward the end of Jesus' ministry as well before his ascension, telling them to go into the world, preach the gospel. He that believeth and is baptized. 
You'll also look in Matthew. He talks about them teaching all nations, baptizing them. Luke does something. He doesn't, he doesn't state the word baptize in, in his account of before Jesus ascended in the instruction. He just says the remission of sins because he's making, he's making a parallel for us. That remission of sins comes about through repentance and baptism. He's doing something for us in that little parallel right there. And so whenever Jesus gave the command, even there in Luke 24 and verse 47, that repentance and remission of sins should be preaching his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. We see what was commanded, practiced, and obeyed then in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost when every nation, creed, and tongue gathered together for the, pe- the feast of Pentecost and those 120 particularly that were in the upper room and particularly when Peter then answered their question about men and brethren, what shall we do? And he told them, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. He's obeying exactly what Christ taught before he ever ascended. He commanded it in the ends of the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Amen. And they follow through with it on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter number 2. Can someone say amen? amen? So we need that for the cleansing of our sin. We need to be baptized because it also identifies us with the burial of the Lord Jesus Christ. Identifies us with the burial of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the 6th chapter of Romans, the Apostle Paul describes baptism as a burial. It's that complete, that total covering, right? A total covering. That going out to the graveyard, we're not seeing no appendages sticking out of the ground, all right? That total covering. The Bible says in Romans 6 and verse 3, Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ. We're baptized into his death. So as you're baptized in Jesus' name, you, that, that, that identifies you as being buried with Christ. Therefore, he says, we are buried with him, Jesus Christ, by baptism unto his death. And so that's important to identify with the Lord in his, in his being buried after his death. Verse 5 even gives... The, the planting, that we're planted together. Again, the, the, the uh, allusion to that being totally covered or what we would say for baptism, being immersed in the water. We are planted together with him as well. So just as repentance parallels or identifies us with the Lord's death, all right, then baptism identifies us with the Lord's burial. And in the weeks to come, the unfilling of the Holy Ghost identifies us with his resurrection, with that new, fresh life. Because repentance, you know, repentance comes and, and, and kind of, if we could say it like this, crucifies the carnal man. Well, that carnal man has to go to a grave and be buried. And when we arise from that moment, amen, and we receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, we truly are a new creature in Christ Jesus, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. Look, again, Romans 6 and 4, we're buried with him by baptism. Colossians 2.12 says, buried with him, speaking of Jesus Christ, in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him, with Jesus Christ, through the faith of the operation of God, who have raised him from the dead. Said, the Spirit of God raised Christ up. That same Spirit will raise you up. Hallelujah. When you receive that spirit inside of you. And so we need baptism because it again identifies us with the burial of the Lord Jesus Christ. We need baptism because it marks us, because of his name, it marks us as recipients of a new covenant, a new and better covenant. In the Old Testament, of course you have Old Testament, New Testament, right? Testament can mean covenant. Yep, Old Covenant, New Covenant. In the Old Testament, God ordered, made a covenant, made an agreement, a contract, if you will, with Abraham. And it was this, that all the descendants of Abraham, starting with his son Isaac and Abraham himself, that this nation of Israel, that the male descendants would be circumcised. That was a mark of distinction 
upon their bodies that they were the covenant people. Circumcision was. And so that existed between them and God in that old covenant. That was their mark of distinction. The cutting, if you will, of a literal portion of the flesh. But whenever Jesus came in Luke 22, he announced the coming of a new covenant. He speaks of a new covenant. And Paul even goes a little further in Colossians 2.11, and he starts telling us about this, this new covenant, that the new covenant does not dictate what the old covenant dictated, per se, in the same way. He says this new covenant that comes is not, let me read it, Colossians 2.11, in whom also you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. So the old covenant, you were circumcised with literal hands, literal knife that took away a literal portion of the flesh of the body. He says, but in this new covenant, he says it's a circumcision made without hands and putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. In other words, in the new covenant, it's not the literal cutting off a piece or portion of the flesh, but it is a inward, in a spiritual context, it is a inward cutting away the body of sins of the flesh of the heart. He goes on, Colossians 2, verse, verse number 12, he goes on, buried here he goes now, he's just talking about the putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by circumcision of God, buried with him in baptism. In other words, he's saying, that's what baptism is for you. In the New Covenant, what the cutting away of the literal flesh was in the Old Testament to them of the Old Covenant, he said baptism, the cutting away of the body of sins of the flesh, a circumcision without hands, that is what baptism is to you in the New Covenant. Wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God. I'm in Colossians 2.12. Who have raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your sins... And the uncircumcision of your flesh hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all your trespasses. Amen. So Old Testament, literal circumcision. New Testament, spiritual circumcision, which he says is our baptism. Does it do something? Yes. The body of the sins of our flesh are dealt with in baptism. And it identifies us as recipients. Of the new covenant. Just as much as Pharaoh's daughter could look inside of that little basket of bulrushes that his mom had made him and found him in the Nile River and looked upon him, which from my, from my estimation, she says this is a Hebrew child. I believe she's seen the mark of circumcision upon that boy. It distinguished him. different. This is a Hebrew child. Just the same, you being baptized in Jesus' name this makes you distinct for sure in this generation than any other because the name has been applied to your life. You've got the family name. You're a recipient of his covenant, his new covenant of the New Testament scripture. We're part of the family of God. Amen. So we need this, the circumcision of the heart, if you will. We need this, amen, to help identify we are recipients of the new covenant. Amen. The new covenant. Baptism is a mark of that. That we're partakers of that with the Lord. Amen. Faith required? Yes. But also, here's the thing. Faith is required in all this. Abraham, the Bible says, was justified by faith. That's what it says. Abraham was justified by faith. All right? But God still required Abraham to take the mark of circumcision. We, the scripture talked about us being justified by grace through faith. You hearing me? Not of works, lest any man should boast. But just as Abraham was still required to take the mark of circumcision, so are we to take the mark of circumcision of the new covenant. We still need to be baptized in Jesus' name. And when you're baptized in Jesus' name, you know what that does? It distinguishes you. You become a legal beneficiary of the new covenant. Amen. In the last and willing testament of the Lord, you become a beneficiary of what he has because you got his name on you. Whew. Hallelujah. So, another question, not just why, but how. So, we, we, we kind of... 
undergirded and supported the reason why we should be baptized, but then how should we baptize? Because there's a lot of baptisms taking place today that uh, may not necessarily follow that which is marked in the word of the Lord. Baptism needs to be, again, by immersion, that planted together terminology, that buried with Christ terminology. We need to be immersed in water. The words baptize and baptism throughout the scriptures come mainly from a Greek word that is baptizo, which means to immerse or dip, to submerge in fluid. There's another Greek word real similar to it called baptizo baptizo and babto. But babto is just a a dip, and it happens temporarily. As a matter of fact, one writer uh, in the first century wrote using both words so we would have an idea of the difference between the two. Whenever the word babto was used, which just basically means to dip, it's like whenever uh, the the, the rich young ruler uh, cried out, even from the depths of hell, asking for Lazarus just to dip his finger in water. That's the word babto. Or whenever the Bible speaks of Jesus dipping the sop or the bread that was in the dish and gave it to Judas, that's babto, just, just a little, little dip. Or that there were vestures dipped in blood. It's just a dip. But when we talk about baptism, it's baptizo, immersion, dipping, submerging. And so this man in the first century, uh, he was a physician. Uh, he used both words, uh, and it grants us perhaps a good understanding then between the two. And what he was writing about is a recipe of making pickles. I know, it's real spiritual, right? He's writing about uh, a recipe of making pickles, and he uses both words. He says that in order to make a pickle, the vegetable should first be dipped, babto, temporary into boiling water. He says, but then baptizo in the vinegar solution. Both meant they're being dipped, but the first is just a little temporary thing. Here's the significance. Baptizo denoted an act of baptizing or immersing the vegetable which would produce a permanent change in the vegetable. Mm-hmm. You put that little cucumber down in that vinegar And it stays for a while and it comes up and it don't taste like it used to taste. There is a permanent alteration of it. You need to be baptized, immersed in Jesus' name so that when you go in the water in His name, there is a definite permanent alteration and change in your... Oh, hallelujah! Someone say hallelujah! Hallelujah! Again, this is not about getting wet. There is something. I often, you hear me. We bat, there's something that happens when you go down in Jesus' name in that water. This is not a dry person than a wet person per se. There is something that, there is a, too many testimonies when people come up in the water. Woo, I tell you what, I feel lighter. Woo, I feel good. Or, woo, I feel clean. You know what they're saying? There's been a change. There's been a change. There, Hallelujah. Amen. So we got to be immersed. Amen. In the water. In Jesus' name. By immersion. There is no account in the scripture where anybody was ever sprinkled with water for baptism. There's no account in the scripture where they were ever sprinkled. As a matter of fact, the Greek word for sprinkle is used only once in the New Testament and it's in reference to a figure of speech sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ upon our heart. It sprinkled the blood upon our heart, which is figurative language. It's the only place you'll find it in New Testament scripture. But you will find time and time again, people being baptized in Jesus' name or immersed going down into the water Right? We have scriptures for this. Going into the water. Acts 8, verse 38. Speaking of Philip and the eunuch, the man who said, here's water, what forbids me to be baptized? The Bible says, and they went down both into the water. Both Philip and the eunuch. And he baptized him. If it was just going to be a sprinkling, why would they both have to get in the water? I, I've stood at the edge of a beach and kick up water on my kids. You hear what I'm saying? Without getting in the water. 
But they both went down into the water. Matthew 3 and verse number 16, even speaking of the baptism of Jesus, that when he was baptized, the Bible says, he went up straightway out of the water. That's what happens every time as their face breaks through this surface of water, they're coming up out of. For that matter, the Bible says in John chapter number 3, verses 22 and 23, again, immersion. There must be water there to submerge the person in the water. It says in John 3, 22, And after these things came Jesus and his disciples into the land of Judea, and there he tarried with them and baptized. And John also was baptizing in Anon near to Salem because... Why was he doing that there? Because there was much water there. And they came and were baptized. Why, why did you do it there? Because there's a lot of water. I can make sure they're immersed. Amen. So what say amen? So we need to be immersed, yes. But we also need to be immersed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And a primary reason why we need to be immersed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because unlimited power is in that name. When we invoke and call out that name in baptism... We invoke the power that's associated with that name. And let's look just at a few verses of Scripture concerning the power that's just in the name. Acts 3, verses 2 through 9. And I might do a little skipping around here. But a certain man from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that enter into the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Now... This wasn't, this, wasn't, this wasn't Peter and John's show. This was a Jesus show. This was not because of their power or something that they had. No, they said, such as I have, give I thee, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And whenever that name, huh, when that name was employed, that man got up, being lame from his, having been lame from his mother's womb, leaped and praised God. There was power in the name. Acts 16, 16, and, and 17 and 18. Acts 16, chapter 16, verses 16 through 18. And it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which shew, us, which shew unto us the way of salvation. And this did she many days. But Paul being grieved, Turn and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. He employed the name of Jesus and the unclean spirit had to go. There's power in the name. Mark 16, verses 17 through 18, the Bible says, Jesus said, and these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. Shall they cast out devils? They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. All those things, folks, all those things, those are very powerful things that could not happen or take place without it being in his name because there's power in the name. James 5, verses 14 and 15. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name. Of the Lord and the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed any sins, they shall be forgiven him. There's power, power, wonder working power in the blood and in the name of Jesus. So whenever we go down in the watery grave of baptism in the name of Jesus, we are invoking, we are requesting, we are commanding that name and that power to have activity within the life of that sinner Oh, yes. The same name that heals. Look at it in James. The same name that heals 
if they committed any sins, it shall be forgiven them. The same name that heals also takes care of sin. It's necessary. So your remission of sins, your repentance is necessary, your baptism is necessary. And with the baptism, of course, is the the alluding to that it's going to be in the name because that's really the only way to be baptized. But if not, then let's say like this, the repentance is necessary, the baptism is necessary, and the name is necessary for the remission of your sins. What did he say again there in Luke 4, 47? Jesus telling his disciples that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name. Peter told him in Acts 2, baptized in what? The name. And then I was telling his new convert Saul at Tarsus in Acts 22, whenever Paul is, is, is recounting what happened, he was telling him to be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name. It's invoking the name. Calling on the name of the Lord. Oh, but that says the name of the Lord, Brother McGee. So we got two things. I got to be baptized in Jesus' name or baptized in the Lord. No, no, the Lord is Jesus. That's what Paul said. Or Saul, rather. Saul, on his way to Damascus, a persecutor of Christians. He's knocked down with the light shining off his donkey. He's there. And he cries out unto God. He's crying out unto heaven. Right? Uh, let's look at the scripture. Just, just so, just, you know, don't take my word for it. Take the Lord's own word for it. Acts 9 and verse number 5. Here he is, Saul. He cries out. He's been knocked down. A voice is speaking to him. Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? That's verse 4 and verse 5. Saul says, and he said, who art thou, Lord? Look at this. Who art thou, Lord? You notice. And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. So we don't have no quandary. We don't have no con contradiction. We don't have no problem that whenever Ananias told Saul, you need to be baptized, washing away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord, he knew that Paul knew who the Lord was. He discovered it on his way to Damascus. The name of the Lord, it is Jesus. Who art thou, Lord? The Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. There's no problem. There's no, there's no issue here. <laughs> For that matter, Acts 4.12 says, neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none. I don't know what your last definition was of none, but none is none. There is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. If there's none other, then there must only be the one to begin with. Someone say amen. Okay. Well, glory. Let me just go just a tidbit further to get to a good stopping point. Just a little bit. So, the apostles as well called upon the name of Jesus when baptizing, of course, people that were new converts. Acts 8, verse 12 but when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Then Simon himself, the sorcerer, this is Simon the sorcerer, himself also believed. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Again, Acts 10, Peter commanded Cornelius to be baptized. In verse 48, in the name of the Lord. Again, we have no problem with that. We know the Lord is Jesus Christ. In Acts 19 and 5, again, those Ephesians that came, whenever they heard this, the Bible says they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. In Colossians 1 and 12, or 3 and 17, rather, 
Paul told them that whatsoever we do in word or deed, to do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father by Him. So just a few things there real quickly is we need to, how we need to be baptized by immersion. Where there's much water, we need to come up out of the water. We need to be baptized in his name. There's power. Just even outside of just the baptism, you see the illustrations of power that's associated with the name. All right? And we need to be baptized in that name, that ownership of his name upon us. And we'll look at the name just a little bit more next week. Stand with me. This is a good place to stop. We'll look at the name a little bit more next week as we look at the famed Matthew 28, 19 scenario. All right. Of the instructions that Jesus gave to them before he went away. Amen. But we'll look at those things next week. Again, underscoring being baptized in his name. Water baptism. Baptize me, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So there is, again, we need to understand that there is significance in water baptism. Because there's, uh, you know, there's powers that be that's not putting the emphasis, any emphasis really, except for the sake of, well, they've joined such and such church. So we're going to baptize 40 because they decided to join the church. (laughs) No, 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 no. You're born into the church. You're born into the church. And it goes beyond FAC. It goes beyond that one body. That Colossians and Ephesians and the one spirit. You're baptized by one spirit into one body. (laughs) Woo! Well, let's not get started. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads today. Father, I come to you right now. God, I'm thankful, Lord, God, for Jesus, your word, for your scriptures. God, the guidance and the instruction you give to us through the word of God. I pray, oh, Lord, thank you, Father, for your name. God, a name, Lord, that has power, Lord, in sin and in sickness. God, in both regards, I pray, oh, Lord, today, thank you, Jesus. God, that we can exercise faith and be obedient in repentance and obedient, Lord, in water baptism. I pray, oh, God, there is reasons why we need the cleansing, the total remitting. Father, of our sin, we need to be washed. We need to die. Lord, as you have died and be buried with you, Lord, in our baptism, Lord, cutting off, Lord, the spiritual body of our flesh lord to have that mark of the new covenant lord upon our life i pray oh god today be with your people lord jesus help us to walk in the power lord jesus i pray god of those things lord that we've been obedient to in scripture in our lives and will not fail to thank you in the name of jesus christ i pray hallelujah hallelujah and the church say amen amen if you've not been buried in jesus name i implore you you need to be buried in jesus name we have water If you've not repented, we can work you through repentance and we can baptize you in Jesus' name and we'll speak that ultimately powerful name. Amen. Over your life. Amen. And there's going to be a remitting, if you will, of those past wrongs. If you need that, please talk to me. We'd love to baptize you in Jesus' name. It's God's word. God bless you today. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.